Was I nervous? Um, yeah. Can you, can you tell me a bit about where we are at the moment? Okay, so we're at Glebe Town Hall. My least favourite thing is public speaking. Um, and the Greens have called a meeting about N12 to decriminalising abortion and um, creating safe access around clinics. Well, I realised I'd never used a microphone, or not since I was probably in year two. And our very own Bethany Sheehan from My Body, My Right is going to be talking, which is really exciting. I'd sort of tried to make, remind myself over and over again, like, look at the audience and make sure you look at the audience, don't just read off the piece of paper, don't mumble. What are you wearing right now? I'm wearing my Body, My Right shirt. But we're all wearing our shirts today. There's a few of us in the front row on either side, which is exciting. Just showing people that we're here. This whole thing has been doing something that I really makes my skin crawl. <laughs> um, yeah, I was nervous. So late one Sunday night, in the sticky corner of a King's Cross pub, you know the type, my body, my right became a thing. I'd been tossing the thought of it around and around for months. I was working in Surrey Hills and my morning commute passed through Devonshire Street. I had noticed an assemblage of sorts, a bunch of anti-choice fanatics outside an unmarked building. I noticed their graphic and misleading images, supposedly, supposedly depicting abortion and the related effects on women causes breast cancer, causes depression, hurts women, etc. I noticed that I began to develop methods to avoid having to engage with them. Headphones in my ears, sunglasses on, eyes down. I noticed others around me doing the same thing. I noticed that these techniques reminded me of something else I'd been doing for much of my life. Keys between my knuckles, fists balled, crossing the street. You know the drill. I think the, the rhetoric surrounding abortion, pro-life, anti-choice protesters that we're all so used to has gone something like this. They've been there forever. It's just the way it is. You have to deal with it. Why does it have to be like that? Why have we let them do it for so long? Why was I okay to walk by and let them keep going when I could see the pain that they were creating? I noticed I was angry. I was furious that someone felt the right to take away an individual's choice regarding their own life and their own body. Standing up and saying something isn't easy. And often, it's the things that are the hardest to say that are the ones that matter to us the most. This is a story about My Body, My Right, a Sydney-based collective campaigning for change around abortion law. It's a story about starting from scratch. It's a story about making it up as you go. It's about polarising beliefs, freedom of speech, and our right to choose. But mostly, it's a story about finding the voice to start the conversation. But before we go any further, let me take you back to the beginning. Late last year, 2015, I was at a rap party with a friend of mine named Bethany. It was a kind of early Christmas slash casting crew party for a theatre production we'd both been working on. There was food and drink and more food, and at some point between the Bloody Marys, Bethany told me that she and a couple of her friends had recently done a demonstration at an abortion clinic on a busy thoroughfare in Sydney's Surrey Hills. 
It was a protest to counter a well-known anti-choice group who congregate outside of the clinic, praying, singing hymns and trying to stop individuals, mostly women, from entering and accessing clinic services. They go by the name of Helpers of God's Precious Infants. Led by a man named Paul, who I believe has been working in the area for 20-something years, sort of doing this sort of activity. Uh, And they work under this umbrella of a larger organisation called Family Life International. So wearing black T-shirts painted with the words, My Body, My Right, the group of then only three stood between the clinic and the helpers. We call them Hogpie for short. I'd heard about the um, safe zones being created in, or legislation for safe zones being created in Victoria. Safe zones are designated areas within which no one can protest. They usually span about a 150 metre radius around a clinic. And thought in lieu of government action, we could create our own safe zone by filling up that space and sort of moving that harassment that was being directed at at patients and doctors and the general public out of the the zone of the clinic. They did this in complete silence. We decided we'd be silent because we didn't want to create more frenzy or energy or anxiety in the space. So we were really trying to calm that. We sort of knew enough about where they stood to know that no happy conversation could come from engaging with them on the street there and then. That first time on the street, my body and my right stood face to face with the Hogpie congregation. And it wasn't long until Paul called the cops to move the group along. Something we would later become very used to. However, before separating, Bethany, who was standing directly in front of Paul, recalls his charming parting words. It's not as black and white as you think. It's not as simple as your body, your right. There's so much more to it. And he sort of you know, rambled off his various justifications. And then I think he cottoned on to the fact that I wasn't going to talk. So then he said, I've already called the police. I know you don't have your section one in. They're going to come in and move you along. Then he said, oh, but you know what? <clears throat> I'm going to get them to keep you here. You're pretty. You're going to make my day easier. I'll just stare at you while I, while I stand here. Then he said the same thing to the police when they got there. Just leave her here. She's not doing anything. She's not making any difference. Just leave her standing here and I can just stare at her all day. So that was our first interaction with Paul. Next time, the group would submit their Section 1. This is a kind of notice to the police that's necessary for any public assembly in order to prevent their action from being cut short by being moved along. So... Did I want to join them next time? I said I would. One night, not long after that conversation, I got a text notifying me that my body, my right, was on for the next day. I didn't have a plain black tee to wear, but I did find one with a pattern on the front, so I turned it inside out. Close enough. I didn't have any white paint, so instead I spelt the words my body, my right, on either side of my inside-out t-shirt in strips of white gaffer tape. Close enough. I was ready. The first time on the street is different for everyone. For me, I remember my heart rate rising a little as our small group stood in what would become our standard formation, a single line of black t-shirts, backs to the clinic, facing the street, 
linked by our outstretched hands, spanning wide, taking up as much space as possible on the sidewalk. With coffee cups by our feet, we stood in silence, almost in a focused meditation as a city fringe suburb went about its morning motion. At 8am, the constant stream of commuters flowed up and down the street, and I remember being taken aback by just how many of them stopped to thank us for being there. That said, not everyone had a first time like mine. Some others have been described as... Um, terrifying. There's the first kind of five minutes that we get there, and it's like... Your nerves are racing. I felt very tense and very nervous. It's a bit sad. It's just not a happy presence on the street. And I wasn't really sure what to expect or what kind of... If there'd be a conflict. I don't know. It just feels like you're being judged, even though you're not actually going into the clinic. If you walk past them, it's very... Just the fact that it's got nothing to do with them. It kind of just is frustrating even walking past. I had one of my very close friends come for the first time and she said... She was shocked by how difficult it was to stand still with her opinion and her feelings written on her chest like that and like kind of hold that stance she found really challenging. So a bit about Hogpie, that's Helpers of God's Precious Infants, and Family Life International, the organisation that they belong to. The organisation first started in the 1980s and concentrated their efforts on fighting what they call the anti-life agenda, which includes not only abortion, but IVF, euthanasia, contraception, and vaccinations. All these things contribute to a quote-unquote culture of death. Reading the Family Life International website, it becomes pretty clear that the organisation leans on the teachings of the Catholic Church to justify their actions. In an interview on Radio Tomorrow, Paul talked about how he feels about things like abortion. No abortion is a good abortion. There is no such thing as an abortion that's necessary. And there are certainly circumstances that people find themselves in that are difficult and that they don't see a way around. But that's where we should be. That's where Christians especially should be to say, we can help you. And what he thinks about those who support abortion. The most serious problem is for their mothers and fathers and the doctors and nurses and those who support the evil of abortion because their souls are in peril. They, um, they, uh, they face eternal damnation. And about choice and enjoying your life in general. Mainstream media are the greatest propaganda machine the world's ever seen. And they, of course, want to highlight um, that uh, free choice and, and uh, living a bohemian life you know to the full mm. and just looking to enjoy yourself in every moment of your life is all that matters it's a strange thing to regularly share close space with someone whom you have deep irreconcilable differences with and during our time on the street my body my rights started to form a kind of silent relationship with hogpie we couldn't help but to notice that we'd become part of a peculiar ritual each time we turned up on Devonshire Street. So we decided to have fun with it. It's an almost a joint ritual, isn't it? Because we all turn up at a particular time. We stand on the corner. We wait until there's a group of us. Then we go to the tree, the particular tree right outside the clinic, which Paul seems to, he seems to think that's his tree. Early on, the pro-lifers 
became very upset that we had put something something of ours on this tree so then we go to the tree we start setting up we put our posters up then the white car which we always see drives down they find the parking space they pull into the parking space and then that's when we know right we're on t-shirts come on because until that point we're just people standing around t-shirts come on so people know who we are paul gets out of his car he eats a banana <laughs> every morning he eats his banana meanwhile all the rest of the gang are all like getting out of the, you know getting things out of the boot and setting things up and doing all the grunt work he eats his banana. Um, he'll occasionally go and pay for parking. Sometimes he won't. We've noticed that too. <laughs> um, and then he'll kind of scope us out and it'll be very much like, oh, they've got the tree again. Well, the tree is right next to the clinic and they do usually put their A-frames right next to the tree. And almost immediately he'll get on the phone to the police. They said to the police, it's our tree. They can't put their stuff on it. It's our tree. They're by the tree. You don't seem to understand. No one's ever put stuff on our tree before. We're always by this tree, and now they've got the tree. And the police again told them it is public space, and it is not their tree. It is, at best, City of Sydney's tree. Um, so it's no one's tree, really. So we now try and claim the tree as quickly as possible um, because it annoys them. And it was just like, sorry, are we four? <laughs> because it feels like we're in preschool right now. However, the tree thing isn't clear to the rest of the public. See, that tree thing is not clear to the rest of the public. So no one knows that claiming the tree is really upsetting them. They're like, oh, you put some flowers on a tree or you put a rope on the tree so that they can't put their signs on the tree. Or... <laughs> I, I, I think it's... Uh, you have to almost turn it into a comedy thing because otherwise you would be really upset by it. And some days, it was upsetting. There were definitely times early on when our human safe zone wasn't so clear to the public. Part of the difficulty for us standing there was realising that not everyone would, would get it straight away. There was so much history in that space. There's still sometimes some confusion about whether we're also with the other protest. I think what people would see is the hog pies, but larger and full of young women. And that would just immediately make people angry. Because they very much tried to envelop us in them. So when there was only a few of us, like if there was a four or five of us, they would bookend us. And so we were like becoming, I guess, engulfed. This man walked up to me and said, my body, my right, and started yelling at me. And I was like, do not engage, stay calm. It's not personal, just... Just let him do, say what he has to say and move on. And then I realised he thought we were with Paul's group. <laughs> and so I just said, sorry, I agree with you. That's why I'm here. We're not with them. And he was like, oh, oh, bloody right. Oh, that's awesome. Right. And then turned to Paul's group and then continued the rant. <laughs> and it was just like, whew. Yeah, sometimes like, you get a response like that and you just want to let go of everybody's hands and bolt. Like, get out of the space, run away, go back to just... Mm, not engaging. One morning, things were particularly bad. We didn't want to be there on the street making the issue worse. All we wanted was our message to get across. Talking it over, we realised that Paul's group were actually really predictable and kind of boring and sung without an iota of enthusiasm. We realised that what we had 
was a bunch of artists, designers, musicians and theatre makers, and that we all had the resources we needed to transform the space on Devonshire Street into a positive one and to communicate our message with visual silence. Over a couple of coffees, we hatched a plan to play to our strengths and get creative. We wanted to kind of give a sense of, of that safe zone, you know, that 150 metre safe zone that Victoria has. So we sort of tried, like, how do we, how do we do that even when we don't have a huge number of people there? So we'd always talk about each other as daisies and spoke about making a rope of daisies and, you know, daisy ch- a daisy chain that would extend us further as well so we could create more, fill more space. And so we um, decided to try that. The first day we did that, we acted on that. We got some flowers. They weren't daisies, but we got flowers. They came from Sydney Theatre Company, actually, which is one of my side jobs. I'd seen the King Leo production, and Geoffrey Rush had this scene where he was covered in flowers. So Geoffrey Rush flowers. (laughs) And we wove them into this huge um, rope, and we wove the flowers into the rope, took a long time my fingers were (laughs) wrecked and the day the first day we took that out on Devonshire Street it was a very strong positive day okay so we arrived around eight o'clock in the morning got there probably not even what 15 minutes before them but it was just enough time so we took up space in what they consider in air quotes their space we set ourselves up with the rope and we were stretching out what, probably like 20 metres, I think, in total. And it was fantastic because people were already walking past and kind of looking at us going, ah, awesome, something's happening today. And so we took up their space. There was probably about 10 or 12 people and we all held hands facing the street and facing our backs to the abortion clinic. And then when obviously the church group turned up... They didn't have anywhere to go. And they just kind of dejectively went... I guess we're not over this side of the road this morning then. (laughs) And off they went. And so they were annoyed and they decided to set up on the other side of the road. And it was very much like a a staring off kind of match between them praying and glaring at us. And especially the main guy who had just kept on staring across at Bethany, just giving her absolute evil eyes. So that, that was amazing because I, I didn't think we'd have quite the effect we did. We'd done something that felt so unachievable when we first began. We'd made a tiny little step in creating some sense of safety. It mightn't sound like much, but moving the anti-choice group, even just across the road, was huge to us. Everyone felt that this day was a sign. A sign that change was really possible. So the daisy chain worked. The visual cue made sense and the community knew who we were and what we were about. Countless commuters passing us by would beep their horns, stop to thank us for being there. We even had strangers bringing us water, buying us coffee, and once had a whole tray of free cronuts placed at our feet. With all of this community support, we all felt it was time to try and create a tangible change. So we started a petition to enact safe zones around clinics. To be truthful, most of us were a little nervous the first day we took our petition to the street. We really had no idea what the morning would bring. 
I think we were prepared for what we expected, but we could never have expected the support we got. People were very busy because people were lining up to um, sign the petition and um, there wasn't enough pens and there wasn't enough like clipboards and we didn't have enough things. But it was fantastic because it got to the point where like not even an hour in we're going, we need more paper, we need more photocopies, we need this, we need that. And it was brilliant because I'd rather that situation than sitting there going, well, we've got five sheets of paper and four signatures. <laughs> um, I think we got almost 200 signatures in the first hour or so of running this, the petition. People coming up and just kind of going, where do I sign? Where do I sign? Not even asking what it's about. They knew what it's about. Where do I sign? Abortion is a complex issue. And the more we learnt about it, the more we realised how true this was. With so many issues surrounding abortion, devising a focus for our petition was not easy, particularly considering the fact that abortion is still in the New South Wales Crimes Act. That's right, the Crimes Act. Basically, in New South Wales, abortions are legally ambiguous. It is technically illegal to both perform and have an abortion unless that abortion has been deemed lawful. What makes an abortion lawful? Well, it needs to be deemed necessary by a third party, and that's usually your doctor. Broadly speaking, an abortion is necessary if the patient is predicted to be negatively affected physically, psychologically, or socially. In this sense, a patient must justify their choice to terminate a pregnancy against particular criteria. Performing an abortion simply because a patient has requested to have one is not enough. The legal ambiguity of abortion also explains why public hospitals are reluctant to perform them. This pushes the practice into the realm of private health care. So clinics specialising in reproductive health then become very easy targets for anti-choice groups just like Hogpie. The New South Wales Greens have been working on the first bill, End 12, to remove abortion from the Crimes Act of New South Wales state law, as well as to create safe zones around clinics. On June 23rd, about two months after first launching the My Body, My Right Safe Zones petition, the Greens were due to present their End 12 bill to New South Wales State Parliament, and many of My Body, My Right members were looking forward to turning up in our signature black tees and showing our support. However, at the last minute, the bill was pushed back to be presented later in August. Despite the change in parliamentary schedule, Change.org shared the My Body, My Right petition to all of their New South Wales sign-ups. We didn't know that any, any activity was happening around the petition. and I got this email while I was at, at um, work one day and, and it was 5,000 5, people have signed your petition. And I was like, what? <laughs> when did this happen? Within the next 24 hours, My Body, My Right excitedly watched the number of signatures rise. I was at work, I just kept refreshing the page over and over, and every time I refreshed the page, there were more signatures, and it just kept growing and growing. Like every few minutes, I was just like, refresh, refresh, refresh. And even sometimes, I wasn't very patient. It was like a minute later, and there was like 30 more signatures, and I was like, oh my god. The support was overwhelming. This was a petition that people really believed in. So many people added comments, words of support, or their own personal stories about 
why they were signing and why they thought this needed to change. I am signing because a woman's body belongs to a woman and she is the one who should make My decisions what is right for part of the reason why abortion was legalised. My great-grandmother died while having a backyard abortion. ...against you, your body and your choice. What sickens me the most is seeing guys protesting. What the fuck do they know about We live in an era and we claim that we have more education, knowledge and information. Then how come we act and behave like barbarians? It is our body and our choice. But let's face it. If everyone agreed with us, it'd be a bit boring. So yeah... We got our share of uh, negative response. So this one's Susan. Please take me off your list. I will not sign this petition. Maybe people could use contraception instead of killing their babies. Good afternoon. Abortion is nothing more and nothing less than murder. Kind regards, Len. And he left his phone number for us. You progressive feminists are insane. The way you detach yourselves from reality with vacuous terminology to justify nothing less than murder. Stuff your partition. Aren't you so glad that your mother didn't have have your misguided attitude towards life? Otherwise, you wouldn't exist either. Have a happy day, Ken. The numbers kept rising, and soon enough, we hit the big one. 10,000 signatures. I almost cried. I was so happy. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it was just so unbelievable and so amazing. Oh, it was astronomical. It was fantastic. And I genuinely thought it was some kind of mistake. So it's really encouraging um, and it's really helpful that people have been okay enough to sign something and put their name to something that will really change day-to-day lives of people in New South Wales. In the beginning, it was quite difficult but I knew it was important. Like it went from just three people standing on the street to, you know, 10,000 people signing. I always think we should celebrate early and often, but we should always remember that we haven't yet changed any laws yet. So we have to continue to figure out how to do that. I think it's heading in the right direction. I think obviously the issue is very current at the moment. Whenever I see us standing on the street, like we're such a motley crew of people who just have come together, you know, like a bunch of young people trying to make a difference. It's cool. Change is something we can all work towards. It isn't reserved for those with power or status or means. It's available to those who have a true desire to solve the problems that they see. Putting your opinion on a t-shirt and standing silently on the street isn't for everybody and may seem pretty ineffective to some. But there is no way of telling just what you might achieve if you don't first stand up and say something. We share a world of many different opinions and to have it any other way would frankly be boring. The question is not whether these people have a right to voice their opinions, they can say what they like, but rather whether we give that opinion greater value than an individual's right to choice. When an opinion is being used to hurt, manipulate and intimidate an individual, you have to ask, why has it been allowed to go on for so long? Why has our government not stepped up to protect safe and private access to our own reproductive health care? 
We hope that soon Devonshire Street will have safe access to abortion and reproductive health care.